0: Welcome to the Compliance 911 Show, a no-nonsense podcast discussing hot topics for today's busy compliance professional. It's everything you wanted to know about regulatory compliance, but we're afraid to ask. And now, here are your hosts, Dean Stockford of M&M Consulting and Len Susio
1: of Geodata Vision. So, Lynn, I already uh, wish you a happy new year as we just recorded a a previous or our first, I should say, podcast for 2023. Uh, So what interesting topic are you going to bring today for our discussion?
0: Well, let me alert our audience. What I'm going to discuss is extremely important and has a potentially very large impact on banks, particularly community banks. In recent months, I've seen a worrisome trend that I decided to discuss uh, about this topic. I've touched upon the topic in previous episodes, but today I want to delve deeper into the topic and the threat it presents to banks, and particularly community banks. What I am referring to is the war on redlining and the misuse of the concept of REMAs reasonably expected market areas by regulators, as they aggressively fight what they view as redlining.
1: Yeah, excellent topic, and it is extremely hot, and we've heard a lot over the uh, the you know the last few years, uh, specifically with redlining and Remus. So please explain to our listeners how you think combating redlining is a threat to banks, and are banks actually engaged in redlining on a level that regulatory enforcement or anti-redlining uh, policy really represents a threat on a broad scale to this
0: industry? Well, that's a great question to start out with on this topic. I'm concerned about the threat presented in particular by the so-called, quote, combating redlining initiative, end quote, announced by the Department of Justice back in October of 2021. Not because redlining is pervasive, as claimed by the department in its press release announcing the anti-redlining initiative but because regulators in their zealous implementation of the initiative appear to abuse, be abusing the concept of reasonably expected market areas, or REMAs as they are often referred to. Since the initiative was announced, I've seen too many situations in which a liberal interpretation of how a REMA is defined for it to be coincidental. By taking this approach, regulators can question or accuse almost any bank of redlining. So my apprehension is not because redlining is pervasive in the banking community. It's because of what I would characterize as regulatory bias, betrayed by their preconceived notion that redlining is indeed pervasive. An examiner who perceives redlining as a widespread practice is going to see it everywhere. It's just a matter of recognizing it. They say beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. Well, the same might be said of redlining if examiners come into a bank with the bias conveyed in the DOJ press release. And as I hope to explain today, that bias may be reinforced by the abusive interpretation of what a REMA is.
1: Well, I should probably clear my schedule because I have a feeling this is going to be a really interesting conversation. Uh, So please explain for the listeners, uh, what is REMA, how is it defined, and how is it being abused currently?
0: Well, Dean, the problem begins with the fact that there is no definition of what a REMA is in statute or regulation. The very concept has no origin in law or regulations. It's a concept that began to be implemented in the field back around 2009. I can't be exactly sure, but I suspect it has its genesis to the exception allowed in the CRA regulations for a bank to adjust its CRA assessment area to the area it, quote, can be reasonably expected to serve as expressed in the CRA Q&As. The CRA regulations expected banks to delineate their assessment areas as MSAs or counties in their entirety, but recognize that those areas may be too large for community banks. Hence, the recognition that a bank could adjust their CRA assessment areas to that area the bank could reasonably be expected to serve. So initially, the concept was intended to provide for realistically defined assessment areas by allowing banks to reduce the size of their assessment areas. As I will explain today, that approach apparently has been turned on its head by regulators. Now, having explained the origins of the REMA concept, it's important to understand that with no definition in statute or regulations, the term can be quite vague and open to interpretation and potential abuse by regulators, especially ones who are really aggressive and on a mission to find redlining. Hmm. The only reference in regulatory documents can be found in examiner manuals in which they are instructed to consider several factors to determine if a bank's REMA is the same or different from its CRA assessment area. The examiners are directed to consider not only the de facto geographic distribution of a bank's loans, but its Mark quote, marketing campaigns, market plan, media usage, marketing distribution methods, self-produced promotional materials, and marketing produced by third parties, including realtors, brokers, contractors, etc. cetera, end quote. Many a banker has found these marketing factors, along with concentrations of lending outside their CRA assessment areas, have led bankers to the conclusion that their REMA is larger than their CRA assessment area. And that's the beginning of a lot of potential trouble.
1: Yeah, and not to not to call you out, but I think you meant the examiners, just because the bankers are going to be scratching their heads on that when you say it. Uh, uh, areas that have led examiners to <laughs> um, really uh, okay. make bankers. Okay. Mis- yeah. State
0: myself there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you know that happens when we you know given our age, Len. <laughs> mm-hmm. So <laughs> bank, that's so true. Bank, yeah. <laughs> So if the bank's REMA is larger than its assessment area, what happens?
0: So, so if a bank's REMA is larger than its assessment area, uh, there's this is, becomes potentially problematic for community banks near urban communities they have traditionally identified as outside their CRA assessment area. If an examiner determines that by virtue of the bank's lending or marketing activities, a REMA is larger than the CRA assessment area, and embraces a nearby urban area, they have opened up Pandora's box. All of a sudden, the bank's lending outside its CRA defined community can be subject to scrutiny for redlining. A bank in that situation is particularly vulnerable because it may not have been monitoring its lending activities outside its CRA assessment area, and urban markets normally have concentrations of majority minority tracks that could be the basis for redlining allegations.
1: So it would seem that All a bank has to do is to be careful about its lending when it's outside of their defined assessment area, correct?
0: Well, that would be a good start. But recently I learned of something of great concern regarding these issues, this issue. At a regulatory compliance conference about a week before we are recording this podcast, I questioned the federal examiners about redlining and remas. Hoping to get more insight into the factors they emphasize and what they told me astounded and alarmed me.
1: Yeah, I'm sure everybody's all ears right now. What what did they what did they say? If you know they're 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 known for saying very little. So uh, I I I, if it alarmed you if (laughs) if it alarmed you then boy I can't wait to hear.
0: Yes. Well, uh, what they said without hesitation or batting an eye is that they are using entire MSAs or metropolitan divisions as the basis for every bank's REMA, no matter how small the bank. I could scarcely believe what I heard. So I pressed the examiner saying that an unrealistic REMA is going to precipitate unrealistic and misleading conclusions. I even used Los Angeles County with 2,497 census tracts, tracts as an example. Surely I must have misunderstood what they were saying but the presenters persisted that MSAs or Metropolitan Divisions would be the market definition they use for determining a bank's REMA and hence potential redlining allegations. The FDIC examiner did back off a bit and stated that they might reduce a REMA to counties in their entirety, but nothing less than that. Now, what this means is that almost every bank that has an urban area nearby its assessment area is especially vulnerable to redlining accusations if it's not lending in urban areas. <clears throat> now, a banker might say, well, we will make sure we do some loans in the majority minority tracks outside our assessment area as a way to address this problem. But the problem with that approach is that the best defense against redlining involving minority tracks outside the defined community is that those tracks are outside the defined community and not part of the bank's market. Therefore, any lending by our bank in those tracks may very well be below the penetration rates exhibited by lenders who do consider the urban area to be a part of their market. But that's because the urban area is outside the bank's market and any lending by the bank there is actually incidental. So, If you do enough lending in the urban market, even though it's outside your defined community, that volume of lending may become the very basis for a regular claiming that the area is part of your REMA and your lending volume in the market proves it. So it becomes a self-defeating response, even though it's a natural and would appear to be a logical response. If a bank starts engaging in a significant volume of lending Outside its defined community in these urban areas, it becomes one of the predicates that has been described in examiner manuals to determine if the REMA should be expanded beyond the assessment area. The the de facto geographic lending distribution of a bank is one of the things that have been historically considered to be a part of the basis for expanding an assessment area into a REMA. So that approach, as prudent as it sounds, is actually going to get the bank into deeper trouble.
1: Yeah, usually I say that what you've presented is very interesting. But in this case, Len, uh, I think it's more more uh, not only alarming, but it makes me sick to my stomach. Uh, uh, so forewarned is forewarned, as they say. Uh, this is Dean Stockford from m M&M and Consulting.
0: And this is Len Susio of Geodatavision saying we hope you found today's podcast informative and interesting. And because what we discussed today is so alarming, I am certain we're going to have more podcasts addressing redlining and REMAs in the very near future. Be sure to send us feedback and request topics for future podcasts. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Compliance 911 Show. If you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, Please give us a like and review to help others find the show. As always, links are in the show notes and you can always find us online at compliance911show.com. Follow MM Consulting and GeoData Vision on LinkedIn for all the latest news and information on compliance hot topics.